morning, Journey. Good to see you all. My name's Chris. Glad you're here. Thanks for the good morning back. Uh, I have a rock in my hand, also known as a stone, and that's just so that I can slowly fill out my shirt. Uh, not really. Well, hey, good to see you guys. Um, so for real, we're in a series that we're calling uh, right here, right, Growing, Fruit of the Spirit. And what we're doing with this series is we're looking at the, the Holy Spirit-given gifts of the fruit of the Spirit. And so the last couple of weeks, Derry kicked us off. He, he talked about what that even looked like as a whole, and then he went down the road of love, and now here we are talking about joy. So we're paying special attention to Paul's letter to the Galatians and in what he describes as the fruit of the Spirit the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so as we talk about joy today, uh, I, I wanna give us just a fuller picture of what that might be. And, and you'll find that as I'm talking about that, you, you might end up, and this is, no speaker should ever say this, but you might get a little bored at a point in, in this because I got bored writing it and then I realized I was just trying too hard to define it, and then I'll tell you some stories after that. Uh, so I just decided to keep it in there for the sake of just being honest with you all, and you'll be like, yeah, that was kind of boring, Chris. Do you have anything else? And so that thing will come, okay? And that's why I brought a stone. <laughs> all right. So in a moment, what we're gonna do is we're gonna pray, and we're gonna, we're gonna actually have to re-invite God's Spirit to teach us this morning. Uh, but let me read for you Galatians 5, 16 through 26, so that you can kind of get a glimpse of where it is that Paul is talking about the fruit of the Spirit in this letter to the Galatians. So here's what it says, Galatians 5, 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. And at that, we can all say, amen, we've been there. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified him there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Let's pray. God, we thank you again for the opportunity to just come here and gather together. We thank you for the gift of the family of God. We thank you for the, the opportunity to, to sing songs uh, to you and about how much we love you and need you. We thank you for the opportunity to pray and celebrate and laugh and be together. Thank you for the gift of one another, even just filling uh, the seats next to us, Lord. 
And so I pray that this morning as we uh, enter into what it is you have for us, that, that your spirit, you would teach us and you would guide us and you would shape us and you would mold us so that we might become more like your son, Jesus. We pray that your Holy Spirit would fill us and so we would begin producing this fruit that Paul talks about. And as we focus on joy today, God, let us set our eyes on perhaps a a view of joy that we maybe haven't captured before and that it perhaps is even simpler than we realized. Pray for myself, God, that you would give me your words to speak. I pray that I wouldn't say anything that's not for you or from you so that everything that we do here this morning together would point to you, make much of you, and honor you. We love you so much, Lord. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So uh, as you may or may not know, over the last couple weeks, Derry kind of set the stage, started out introducing us to the fruit of the Holy Spirit and this foundation of love that it's meant to grow in us, all of us who belong to Jesus. It is all born out of love. There's a reason Paul lists it first. He talks about it over and over and over again in all of his letters. And so it's born out of that. Is born from that place. And so today, as we look at joy, uh, I want to just address one thing that we maybe think of sometimes when we hear about joy. Because even as I talked to some people and said, hey, the topic's joy today, we're like, cool. I like joy. We want to feel joy. And so when we first think of like the spirit produced joy, maybe we think immediately about this idea that God wants us to be happy. And, and, and I want to say that I think joy is more than that. Joy is something deeper something rooted in us that only the spirit of God can grow, that only the spirit of God can produce. And this joy, it's not necessarily a command. It's not like go and be this joy. But at the same time, it's a, it's a choice that we can make regardless of how we feel. It can be both a, an experience and it can be both an action. And that's how we know that this joy is rooted in the spirit of God. And so when Paul lists these nine graces or gifts or whatever you want to call them, right, and they all are representative of the fruit of the Spirit, he's not actually producing an exhaustive list, right? Like, just like when he was listing early on all of the the sinful things, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's a crazy list. And then he's like, and there's more of these. So it goes also for the fruit of the Spirit. There's also more. It's not an exhaustive list. But what he's showing us is that the fruit of the Spirit is actually a lifestyle for those who are indwelt and energized by the Holy Spirit. This is what comes out of those of us who are filled with the Spirit. Here it is again. I just want you, I want you to keep having these at the front of your mind as we move through this series. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things, Paul says. Right? Like he's saying that this joy, it's different than maybe what we might know of as a, like a cheap joy. The kind of joy that passes away. This joy is ever-present. It's always available. It's always there. It's never absent from a follower of Jesus. This joy is rooted in the love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit moving together. Legalism or obeying the law cannot produce the fruit of the Spirit. That's not where it comes from. He says it's different than that. It's not based on what you do. It's given to you as a gift. So he gives us actually a more robust picture, Paul does, in Romans 5, 1 through 11. Here's what he says about joy running through this whole section. Uh, I really, this 
This part of Romans 5 just so much encaptures what the kingdom of God and his good gospel is like. So here's what he says to the persecuted church in Rome, no less. He says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we can confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too. Rejoice is a form of joy, right? When we run into problems and trials, hmm, for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope that's rooted in this joy, this rejoicing will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. See, again, it's birthed out of that love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at that right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die. Most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. I love that flip that happens. Now we have joy because we are friends of God. What, a, what an interesting thing to say. It's rooted again in who God is, the love that the Father, Son, and Spirit have with one another. And so as Paul writes, we've been given the gift of the Spirit to fill us and it's out of that now that we rejoice, that we always have access to that joy because we are friends with God. And yet, interestingly enough, this joy is also found in times of trial. And I think that's what's really hard for me to grasp. Like, how do we explain the way that this works? That you would have joy in the midst of trial, right? Like, who could explain such a thing? It seems like the only way that this could possibly work, that there could be joy in times of trial, is if we are actually indwelt and energized by the Holy Spirit. Like when we read through the book of Acts, right, after the Holy Spirit has fallen on the followers of Jesus and, and the church is activated and, and all of a sudden we see these, these disciples and these people of God acting differently than they had prior to Jesus' death and resurrection, right? What happens whenever they go out? They end up getting beaten up and what do they do? Rejoice. They end up getting jailed. What do they do? Rejoice. They're persecuted over and over again. What do they do? They rejoice. And the whole time we're reading through the book of Acts, we're like, this just doesn't make sense. That's not how I would find joy. And so there's something different in this kind of joy. But in our real lives, right, not just our reading of the apostles in Acts lives, our real lives, the reality is that sometimes the pain is too much. And we, and we feel as if we are in fact disconnected from the Holy Spirit through our relationships or through intuition or whatever it is. But then when we do feel 
that connection again. And sometimes we call it resolve or we call it a second chance or we call it hope or we even say things like, I could feel everyone's prayers. Like as we become reconnected, so to speak, to the spirit, we begin to experience this joy that just doesn't make any sense. We can't really explain its origin or where it came from. We didn't just like will ourselves to be happy. It was rooted in something more than that. It was born out of a friendship with God. And it was at this point, as I was typing out this sermon, that I just found myself going, man, I'm trying really hard to define joy and convince us that it's real. I got stuck in my head like probably many of us do at times. And I just asked myself this question. I stopped and I said, what if joy is more about paying attention to the Holy Spirit given gifts all around us? Like the the gifts of each other. It's not hard in Bozeman to drive down the the road and like if you just look with the fresh eyes how beautiful the place is. But like if we would just pay attention to what's around us, maybe that's where this joy would be experienced and produced. So let me, let me try and explain what was shifting in me as I was writing this. There's this account in Genesis 28 about a guy named Jacob. Jacob was the son of Isaac, and Isaac was the son of Abraham, so the beginning of the people of God, right? The one that God promised at the very beginning that this is what the people of God will be like. And so this guy, Jacob, son of Isaac, who's the son of Abraham, He received a blessing from his father, Isaac. And and just after he received his blessing, he was set out to go to his uncle's house to find a woman to marry. The the women in the area that he lived in were no good. That is not who Isaac wanted him to marry. He needed him to go somewhere else to find a woman to marry. So he blessed him. It's a blessing that he had stolen from his brother, but that's not part of the story today. And, And off he went on this journey to his uncle's house, right? A multiple day journey to get to his uncle's house. And so as he's going, he, he decides he's got to stop and set up camp for the night, right? He's not going to keep going through the night. So he, he, he stops, which this is a great uh, summer story around here, right? Because he's going camping, you see? And so out he goes, he's going on his trip and he stops and he's like, this seems like as good a spot as any to set up camp. And so the first thing he does, you'll never guess it, the first thing he does is he looks around and he found a stone. But what did he use the stone for? A pillow. A freaking pillow. That's what he used a stone for. Like, I don't know. Maybe Jacob was a little shaken by the fact that the women in his area weren't good enough and he needed to go somewhere else. But like, this is the best he could come up with for a pillow is a stone. And so he grabs a stone and he sets it on the ground and he goes to sleep. And as he's sleeping, he has a dream. And this dream is of this stairway that reaches between heaven and earth. And on this stairway, what he sees are these angels of God going up and down the stairway. And at the top of the stairway was the Lord. And the Lord said this to Jacob. He said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather, Abraham and the God of your father, Isaac, and the ground you are sleeping on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth, which he's reiterating the promise that he gave to the very beginning to Abraham. 
And he says that as that's true, they will spread out in all directions, west and east and north and south. And all the families of earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. That's why there will be so many to be a blessing. And then the Lord says, and know this, I am with you, Jacob, and I will protect you wherever you go. And one day I will bring you back to this place. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised. And then Jacob woke up from the dream. And he said this, surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. Surely the Lord was in just this stop along the way where I picked up a stone and I laid down on the ground. The Lord was in this place and I wasn't even aware of it. And so even in his surprise, Jacob was afraid because this was like a brand new uh, realization on his part. And he goes, this is just an awesome place. He goes, this is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. In the middle of nowhere, a stop along the way, he finds the gateway to heaven. And when he got up, as the sun rose, he took the stone that he had rested his head on and he set it up as a memorial pillar. And as he set it up, he grabbed some olive oil and he anointed the stone. He poured oil over the stone. Like just, just think about that. All of this is playing out. I'm sure there's some people who are like along with Jacob on this journey, but it sure just feels like he's all by himself in the wilderness, sleeping, going, I didn't even realize God was in this place. And he anoints a stone, which reminds us of what? Who does the anointing now? The Holy Spirit is the one who anoints. And the Holy Spirit anoints and shows us that even in the places we least expected it, God is in that place too. So what the flip does this have to do with joy? Well, if anything, it turns something in my heart because I feel completely different even just talking about it to you, right? Before a mere rock, Jacob finds the house of God. A stone is the gateway to the things of God. And he finds that God was already present in that place. And in that place, he found a joy that could not be explained. A joy that when he goes, I didn't realize it, that God was in this place. Paul writes in Colossians that Christ is in all and is all. All around us. The spirit of Christ resides all around us, even in the places we least expect it. But not only that, even in us, the same spirit that produces the fruit of joy. And so as I was reading that, I had been also listening to this guy, Jamie Winship, sharing a bit about what he was experiencing through a story like this. And what, what was said over and over and over again was just this idea of, I didn't know that God was in this place. And as I paused to think about that, I started to look back over my life and, and just remember the times in which I showed up in a space and I didn't realize that God was in that place. And what was interesting is that so many of the times that I realized that God was in a place where I found joy 
that is unexplainable, that's rooted in the spirit, it was paired with sorrow. Where there was sorrow, I found joy. About five years ago, now four years ago, I was coaching high school basketball here in Bozeman, and one of the players that I was coaching a week after the season was in a car wreck with his family, and he passed away. And, and it, was, it was the first time I had faced death in such an intimate way in my life. And as I was trying to process all of what that meant for me, as well as all of the boys on my team and, and the boys in our program, and then the, the students in the high school where I was the student ministries pastor at the time too, so I had all of these relationships with these students, I didn't know what to do next, and I had my own grief welling up inside of me. So the day after Grady had passed away, I went to the Bozeman High Gym. Just, it, was, it was late at night, so there was nobody there. This, nobody was in the school, nobody was in the gym. I just let myself in because for much of my life, basketball has, has been a, a release, uh, an outlet for me. And I just went into that gym on that night expecting to just try to feel better. That's just all I wanted to do was feel better. So I was gonna go shoot some baskets and feel better. And as I went into that gym and I started shooting, I felt something, right, unexplainable. I, I didn't know that God was in that place. I didn't anticipate to find God in that place. And so Grady's number was 24, and I was trying to think about what, what I, I could do to just like connect myself to, to Grady during this time. And, and so I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make 24 free throws in a row for Grady, shoot 24 free throws for number 24. And again, I didn't, like hindsight, I'm realizing how God was doing something in me even at that time. So I, I step up to the free throw line to shoot my free throws. And, and like full disclosure, I've made 24 in a row before this time in my life. Like that, that wasn't like a brand new thing that I was trying to accomplish that I could never do in my life. But it's, it's not like super easy, right? Like you don't just like show up to the free throw line every day and make 24 in a row. Uh, and so I, I just started shooting. And, and I... One, two, three, right? Like five, 15, 16, and, I, and I'm shooting. But as I was just thinking about that this week, I felt myself standing at that free throw line, being reminded that I was not alone. 22, 23. And you just, I, there is I just knew, right? Like it, I could have, I could have like, you know, like just thrown the thing up and it, it was going in. There, there was just something that God was gonna communicate to me in that place. And, and I, I hit that last free throw, number 24, and I just I fell to the ground in tears. And it was the release that my soul needed in that time. But what's so crazy about it is that I've told this story multiple times since then. It's been a gift to other people who have also been processing the, the death of our friend, Grady. And I just go, man, I didn't know God was in that place. I was unaware of it, but something in that moment was anointed. And that was where I had access to the Holy Spirit who indwells and energizes us, the one who produces the fruit of joy. And then I started to go, man, this, 
This is just like God, right? You remember Moses? Moses is walking around in the wilderness, right? He, he, already, he, he did some stuff he probably didn't need to do, like murder a guy. And so he goes to the wilderness for 40 years and he's hanging out in the wilderness, right? Just all by himself, walking around. And what happens? A bush starts burning. I didn't know God was in this place. Moses encounters God there. All right, like let's fast forward to Jesus. Jesus led by the spirit, the spirit that produces this fruit that we're talking about into the wilderness. And there Jesus faces temptation. He's fasting, right? It's like, it's the, the depths of being uh, challenged. The enemy calling him to something else. And Jesus of all people, he's like, I knew God was in this place. But we look back at the story and we're like, wow, I didn't know that God was in that place. And so I don't necessarily know how to define this joy, this deep rooted in the spirit of God kind of joy. But I can say, I want eyes to see in all of the places I least expected God to be. I wanna look, I wanna, I wanna start with a stone even and look around me and go, man, I didn't know God was in this place and receive that fresh gift that he provides us, his presence. What a gift that is. I want you to just spend a few moments being still with the Holy Spirit right now. Sit with him, speak to him, listen to him. We'll let God have the last word. And then after you've spent some time doing that, I'll just lead us into communion, this expression almost of tangibly grasping the presence of God and being reminded that God is in fact in this place. Go ahead and take that time now. God, we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit that indwells every single one of us who belongs to your son, Jesus. And we thank you that you produce fruit in our lives. Fruit that becomes the core of who we are, born out of your love, love that you show in the midst of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit pouring out love to one another. Born out of the love of sending your son Jesus to earth to show us the way to live, to show us who you are, God, and what you're really like. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, who willingly died on a cross was buried we thank you for the power of your holy spirit that raised him to new life and that's the same spirit that indwells us now thank you for that gift god i pray that as we embrace that reality we renew that connection that you would, you would come and fill us afresh and then that you would give us eyes to see you at work and on the move and present all around us. Give us eyes to see, God, that you are in each and every place we go. May we see it in the depths of your creation. May we even experience you in 
the sorrowful situations that we come through. God, may we encounter you in the face of every single person on this planet who bears your image. Open us up to the realization, God, that there is no place we can go away from you for you are always in this place. May we become acutely aware of your presence. Cover us with your love. Fill us with your love. so that we might experience true joy, not cheap, passing, fleeting happiness, but true joy that's born out of you and your spirit present in us, God. We love you so much, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.